Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, good morning, North Main. I am excited to be here with you. I'm excited to bring God's Word to you this morning. Um, We are going to be ending our series on kindness 24-7. So this is wrapping it up. If you've been with us from the very beginning, we've been looking at Christ's interactions with people who were in suffering and the kindness that he showed to them throughout his ministry. Uh, This is something that... uh, We've been challenging you as a congregation, ourselves as a congregation, uh, through the uh, kindness 24-7 board out in the back to try and take off um, a kindness from that board and go and live that out. And so uh, as we're wrapping this up, we're going to look today at a situation where um, Jesus interacts with some people and performs a kindness for them, a, a major kindness for them. And uh, their reaction isn't maybe what we would, rea- what we would expect um, for their reaction to be. And a lot of times um, it is, but a lot of times it's how we end up reacting. A lot of times it's how we end up um, receiving kindness. And sometimes um, we even end up uh, having this done to us and we, we have to learn how to take that and, and how to interact. So we're going to look at this interaction, um, but before we do, I just want to give a little bit of background to the uh, situation that we're going to see play out here. Uh, we're going to be looking at Luke 17. So uh, we're looking in Luke 17, 11 through 19. Uh, and we're going to be looking at a story where Jesus interacts with uh, a group of people who have leprosy. And I know we've talked a lot about it in church, and if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard about that disease quite a bit, because it's in the Bible quite a bit, because Christ uses that disease particularly um, in his ministry quite a bit. And there's a good reason for it. It's a, it's a reason to be reminded, uh, uh, as we look through, there's a good reason to be reminding ourselves as to why Jesus used that specific um, illness when he's doing a lot of his mission, and why it was recorded in the Bible. It talks about, um, the Bible tells us that there were so many acts of kindness and miracles that Christ committed that uh, there was not enough space for them to be all recorded down. So he was healing people, and he was interacting with people that didn't make it into the Bible. I mean, it's just too much. It's every interaction he's having is a teaching moment, is a a healing moment, is a uh, kindness moment. But we see consistently throughout his ministry, the, uh, specifically in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see uh, it being recorded, his interactions with people with leprosy. Uh, and uh, the reason that this is pretty straightforward is that leprosy is and was a horrific disease. Uh, what we have today, leprosy, um, and I've done, I did research on this a few years ago whenever I was trying to look into the disease itself. What we have today is not what it was back then. Uh, essentially, what ended up happening was that we were able, humanity was able to kind of eradicate the leprosy that was talked about in the Bible, but then it kind of sprang back up in a new form in modern times. And so what we have today, you can still catch leprosy. It's still prevalent in certain parts of the world, uh, but it is somewhat different, and the treatment for it is somewhat different. But what 
they were experiencing was a disease that was highly contagious, and um, it was it eventually it was fatal, um, but it took a really long time. Um, they, they didn't, it, it wasn't like something that you would die right away from it. Uh, you could live for many years with it, and essentially um, sores would end up on your body. Uh, the, the basis of it is that your body would start to, for a lack of a better way to say, it would start to rot away. And so you would have these open sores. So many times, if you can picture this, um, what they would do is they would wrap themselves in clothes and linen completely. And so you would have this person who was off the bat scary to everyone else because I could catch what they have, right? So they're scary to me because if I come into contact with them, I could get what they get. They, they understood that even then. They're like, what, if I touch that person, I could get it. They were scary because the belief system back then was the majority of people believed that the reason that you got leprosy specifically any kind of ailment really, but leprosy specifically was a curse from God. So not only were you scary because I could get what you got, you were scary because you did something wrong, right? I'm looking at you and I'm like, something in you is wrong. So either you're a bad person and I want to stay away from you or maybe you'll influence me or maybe that curse that God has put on you will rub off onto me. And then on top of that, you have these people that essentially, for, for again, a lack of better or way to describe it, are wrapped up like mummies, and they're hiding in the outskirts of the town in, in the wilderness because they've been driven out of the town. So a lot of times they would congregate in, like, caves, in groups and stuff, or these, like, tent. And so what that community looks like is very similar to a lot of the um, like tent cities and homelessness cities that we're seeing right now in our country. You go to a lot of major cities and you'll see people who are struggling with drugs and, um, and homelessness and mental illness and they'll be congregated together to try and find community and yet the majority of the people are scared of them. Uh, I don't know, why are you there? Why are you the way you are? You know, if, you, if there wasn't something wrong with you, you'd be in a home. If, there wasn't some, if you weren't dangerous, you know, you would be somewhere making a living or doing something. And so we make these assumptions when we see them the same way that Jesus is, um, the time that Jesus' people were around, that uh, they would make these assumptions about it. And, uh, and so we see these eerie parallels uh, but that is why I believe it's so heavily recorded, his interactions, because of every other ailment, of every other disease that Jesus came into contact with, this one was the most transformative when he interacted with them. Um, and it told the biggest message to the people around him. He was able to say, listen, because if someone was blind, it was like, okay, we assume that that person probably did something to... to uh, to get that, them talking from back in Jesus' day, the people would look at that person who was blind and they'd say, they did something wrong, they did something to anger God, and so they've been cursed with blindness. Um, but I don't think I can catch that, and I don't think I'm, it's going to rub off on me. So there's less interaction. They weren't shunned. And so these people that Jesus would come into contact with with leprosy were literally like, it would have been, been unheard of for someone to walk into these camps and walk into. So much so that a lot of times, I think uh, by the way that the people that with leprosy interact with Jesus, that they're scared of why he is coming into the camp. 
you can kind of see hesitance, like, why are you here sometimes when they're talking to him? Because is this guy here to kill us? Like, is he here to, like, throw stones at us? Is he here to, to mock us? Is he here? What's he here for? Because it's not going to be anything good. And so that framework, that kind of um, picture is what Jesus uses. He goes, this is the tool I'm going to use to show people how much I love them. This tool, this this like the utter like the, the example of the biggest kind of form of brokenness you could have in that time, I'm gonna use that. And so it's just fascinating to me that um that we we see this and how easily we gloss over it. Um because we oh yeah, he healed somebody, but like how big of a cultural impact this would have been. Um, and then on top of it, the story we're going to read today, this camp of lepers that Jesus comes into uh, is found on the border of Samaria and Israel. So this camp is actually, it's funny because the ailment is the great equalizer. This camp is made up of both Samaritan people and Israel, 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 uh, Israelites. And um, so you have... Uh, these two groups that normally hated each other wouldn't interact with each other, but they're living in a camp together because they both, they all feel like they're cursed by God and they have this ailment. And so Jesus enters into this, and that's where we are today. We're in Luke 17, 11 through 19. It says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with lep leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So by this point, it has been told from town to town that there was someone traveling around who could heal. And so these guys, they're not allowed to come into town, so they've kind of come as close as they could. You can picture this group of sick, and most of the time, these aren't like healthy people. They're, they're burdened by their, their disease, and so you can picture these people kind of hunched over. They're covered in rags, and they're like, Jesus, to the amount that they can't, Jesus, Help me, have mercy on me. Crying out. And everyone else, everyone else, you know this because of the way it is in the culture, everyone else is turning their backs on these people. And, and probably they're like, oh, how, why are they here? Why are they here? Let's move a little bit further away. Why are they here? And we see Jesus come up and he looked at them and said, go and show yourselves to the priest and as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So he doesn't even have to walk over and, and talk to them. But it's the funny thing here, and this is not part of the, the sermon, but um, I'm always blown away by this, is that Jesus, in this moment, all he does is acknowledge who they are. He had the power to heal them. He does. But what he does that's powerful is he acknowledges them. He doesn't ignore them. A lot of times I encourage people when they're asking, what can I do whenever I come into contact with someone who's struggling with homelessness or when I come into contact with someone like on the street or someone who's crying out mercy, mercy, right? How many of you experienced it? Maybe you haven't experienced it the way Jesus is. They're not crying out for you to heal them, but they're crying out mercy. They have their hands out to you. Mercy, please. And sometimes we can't offer the mercy that they need. Sometimes we can't offer the healing that they need, and yet we can acknowledge them. Jesus looked at them and said and spoke to them. He had power beyond us, and we have power of the Holy Spirit. So there is, there is something there where we can, um, we can give them more than, 
than financial things, than more than these things. So we can interact with people, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, there can be healing and there can be um, transformation in their lives. So I'm not lessening that. But what I'm saying is that a simple act of acknowledgement um, can go a long way um, when we're talking about kindness 24-7, right? Um, this first act of kindness that Jesus does is just simply looking at them and saying, I see you and I hear you. And then he sends them to the priests. Now, um, when you had leprosy, and this wasn't just leprosy back in the, uh, because they, they weren't quite sure um, how disease worked, um, any kind of skin disorder uh, so things like eczema or even like heavy acne or things like that could get lumped into this idea of like leprosy, this like skin ailment where they'd say, listen, you are not whole. And this, make, this actually makes sense. If you really think about it from their cultural standpoint, the thing that, that removed sin from their lives, the thing that, that they, when they went to the temple in order to cleanse themselves of the sins that they have committed, they had to bring spotless and blameless sacrifice. So that literally meant they had to bring a lamb that had no faults on it, had no blemishes, it, it had no, nothing like, either like scars or, or deformities or, you know, like messed up colored, like it had to be pure, and so if their mind, it's, it's a logical step to look and say, hey, the thing that God prizes the most, what gives him pleasure and what he likes is spotless and blameless. And those people are the opposite of that. So they aren't. They can't come to God. There's no way. And so it actually makes sense. But what Jesus is trying to say is that it does make sense, but you're wrong. Logically, it makes sense but you're wrong because you don't understand the whole picture. You're not applying the ugliness to yourselves. And that's what's really crazy is that Jesus is looking and saying, listen, all of you look like that to me, and yet I still love you. You all look blemished and broken and spotted and sinful. And so we see him come and he says, go to the priests so in that time, like I said, it could have been any kind of skin disorder, anything, but until it cleared up, you couldn't go and do certain things within the temple. Again, you were shunned from religious. So these people, these lepers, weren't even allowed to participate in the uh, religious worship. So you went, what, it, it takes it even a step further about their isolation and their separation. And again, we can look at parallels of today where we've talked about if someone who looked a certain way or was from a certain um, background walked into the church, would they truly be welcomed, right? Would they feel welcome in the church? And there's arguments to be said that depending on the church you're in, probably not, right? Um, our hope is that here is not that way. Our hope is that here is welcoming. And yet, Back then, they were literally barred from participating in religious worship. So if you're thinking this through and putting your plate, yourself in the place of a, of a person with leprosy, you are shunned from your family. There's no way for you to make a living or to work. You're put out into the outskirts of the community, so you can't even come in to participate in any kind of communal activity you um, are not allowed to participate in worship, so therefore you're not allowed to cleanse yourself of sin. So in their mind, they're sitting there saying, like, there is no possible way for me to be cleansed. I am going to be, I can't escape this. 
There's no way I can. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're right, you can't. He's using this whole thing as a teaching moment, very simply, very straightforward, and he says, listen, this is everyone. And he sends them to the priest because back then, like I said, you had to go to the priests um, if you had a problem like that, and they had to give you permission to then start going back into worship. And a lot of times there were certain cleansing rituals and different things like that that you had to go through um, in order to participate with worship again. So what he's telling them is he's like, listen, go and jump back into um, worship, go back into, I, he's not, I guess what I'm trying to get across is he's not simply healing them, is he's allowing them back into, in their minds, kind of like salvation. He's allowing them back into a community of faith. He's allowing them back in, so he basically is inviting them back into the church, and he sends them and says, go and, and have these priests check it out, and it was a, a ceremony where they would literally strip down, the priest would look at their skin, make sure that they were clean, cleansed, and then they would be welcomed back in. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. So there's a couple things to unpack before we get into the, to the, um, the points. The points are very straightforward and simple because as I was looking through this, I thought, what are we supposed to take from this? How are we supposed to close out this idea of being kind 24-7 when we're looking at Christ and how he interacted with people? Um, but before we jump into those points, one of the things that I want to show is that as we're breaking down, um, the, the man that comes back is a Samaritan. And it's just one, it's like the cherry on top of this Sunday that Jesus is doing where he's saying, listen, again, it's, it has nothing to do with, with um, this religion, that the... the religion aspect of it. It doesn't have anything to do with like the temple aspect of it. It has everything to do with your relationship in your heart and your posture before God. And so we see now, there's a, there's a couple reasons why this man might have been the only one to come back. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, again, he was not able to go to the temples that the um, Israelites would have been able to go to. So the, 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 the Jewish people who would have gone to their places of worship, the Samaritans would not have been welcome there. So the, the first logical I thought when you're reading that is that all of the Jews were like, see it, we got to head to the temple, and they left. And then the Samaritan was like, well, I don't go to that temple, so I'm still here, and, uh, and I'm gonna, I've realized I'm healed, I'm going to say thank you to Jesus. So before we just kind of completely throw everyone under the bus and say, wow, those people are terrible, there are reasons why you might look at this and say, hey, like, they were so excited, they took off and they went to their temple, they went to um, their place of worship, because there was the main temple in Jerusalem, but there were also, like, satellite temples that you could go and, and have these rites done. So they, there's a good chance that they were really, really excited and headed out. Um, but it is very interesting that the one that returned, the one that um, said thank you, was the Samaritan. And again, what's crazy is if you really want to, if you're questioning this whole Christianity thing, if you're questioning like the legitimacy of the Bible, the fact that that point is in there makes no sense. It makes no sense. This is written by a group of Jewish men they do not want to make themselves look bad for all of history. They don't want to be like, oh yeah, hey, 
all of our kinsmen, all of our people ran away and didn't say thank you to God. Uh, but this foreign person who we don't like did. That's not something I'm, you know, recording down if it's just me recording it for the sake of me recording it. This happened. And they wrote it down. And I think at the time they probably didn't even understand. They were just like, huh, isn't that weird? The only person that came back was the Samaritan. But Jesus understood. He understood that it meant something more and that it was bigger. Our key, our key point today is that um, true kindness isn't always recognized or appreciated. A lot of times when we are doing kindness or when we're thinking about kindness, when we're thinking about how do we receive kindness, how do we give kindness, a lot of times uh, we think back to how it's been received or given in the past. Uh, a lot of times when I was kind to that person before, how did they take it? Was it, was it appreciated? Was it reciprocated? I feel like I give and I give and I give for this person and I get nothing back. It's just always a take from them. If you have kids, maybe you feel that way, right? That's the way it is with kids, right? It's, it's a take, it's a take, it's a take. Because as parents, that's your job, right? Um, and so it's like there are times when I don't feel like being super kind to my kids. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm spent out and you've taken all my kindness for the day. Um, you know, and there's, there's coworkers and people that you would come into contact with where it's day in and day out and you're like, I'm, why? Why am I doing this when I'm not being appreciated? Why am I doing this when it's not being reciprocated? It's being received poorly. And then sometimes on the, on the back end, when we're the ones receiving kindness, we struggle with it. And maybe you're not that way. Um, I'm, I'm going to share an example in my own life where uh, I struggle sometimes with receiving kindness. And, and we'll talk a little bit why that is. But the key, for, like I said, the key point is that true kindness isn't always recognized or appreciated. Uh, so when I was looking at this passage and I was trying to think about what we could do as a sermon, as a teaching, um, I wanted to look at it and just say, what can we take from these two groups? There's two groups in this, in this story. There's Jesus and then there's the lepers. And what perspective can we get from Jesus and what perspective can we get from the lepers? And so as I was thinking about Jesus' perspective, I was thinking about the person who gives out kindness. Whenever I am the one that's called to give kindness, when I'm the one that is in that situation where I'm offering that out, how is that supposed to look and how am I supposed to react when maybe it's not received? So the very first point today is um, from Jesus' perspective, and it is that there should be no limit to who our kindness is directed towards. So there should be no limit to who our kindness is directed towards. Again, this is why it's so important that it was a Samaritan, that it was lepers, that it was um, these people that were the outskirts, that people feared, that people rejected. He was doing it on purpose. He went to this specific group because he needs like, listen, I need all of my followers from now until forever to realize that there is no limitation to who we reach out to. There's no limitation to who we offer a kind hand, a kind gesture, to a smile, an acknowledgement, because these people were created in the image of God. And we would want them to be adopted into the family with us. Why would we not want these people who are lepers to be healed and adopted and part of our family? And so Jesus is saying, listen, I have to um, make it very, very clear that there should be no limit to who our kindness is directed towards. This is really important for right now because I know a lot of people, myself included, I, we struggle 
specifically right now because of the political climate, because of the things happening in our world, where people are taking really, really, really um, polar opposite sides. And when you see someone who has a polar opposite side of yourself and you look at them and you say, I, don't, I can't see a common ground. I can't see how this bridge, like this gap is bridged. I, I, I don't understand how to show kindness to this person when I think this person is like the epitome or the opposite of who I try or strive to be. So what does that look like? And the thing is, is that it's messy, but Jesus is saying, listen, these people are the opposite of who the people of my day are. They are the outskirts. They are the, the, the outcasts. And he says on top of that, one of them in this group is a Samaritan. So you hate him even more. And I'm going to go to him. And so it doesn't matter what political affiliation a person has. It doesn't matter what um, religious background they have. It doesn't matter what country they are from. It doesn't matter where they're from. Our kindness can't be limited to that. We can't choose to ignore the people that are standing there. Now, that doesn't mean we have to accept what they do, right? Jesus, even in the moment, is disappointed in the people that he heals. He sees those people and says, I wish this had gone slightly different. And we'll talk about that. But it doesn't limit his kindness. If you believe that Christ is God, then, then you believe to some extent he probably knew what the outcome was going to be. And yet he still went through with it because he looked at those people and said, those people are worth going towards. I want them in my family. The second thing we can learn from Christ is that we should not be upset with how people respond to our kindness because what we get out of being kind should never be our motivation. I, again, this is something hard to wrap your mind around, like especially if you're someone who's offered kindness and just like had it spat right back in your face. Um, but this is something that I personally have been working on um, for, for years now, is going into an act of kindness with no expectation. And it's really hard. It's really hard. And sometimes it's a little uh, awkward because you don't really know where to go from there, you know, or sometimes that interaction back is a little bit strange. You're like, oh, I didn't really expect you to react that way, so I'm not quite sure what next step to do now, right? You know, it's a, it's a little bit weird. Um, but we cannot let that aspect keep us from doing it. And we have to have a correct mind frame going into kindness. Again, this is hard, and it's not something that comes automatic. It's a habit that has to build. A lot of times, again, as Christians, we want to, or as people, we want to look at things when, it, when it's something like love or faith. We want that to be a feeling. We want kindness to be a feeling, like when I feel kind or I feel loving towards someone, I'll express that through kindness. But the Bible makes it clear uh, that love, faith, these things, kindness, are all choices. They're choices. I choose to love a person, regardless of the feeling in my heart, I then choose to act kindly towards that person regardless of how my inwardly feelings might be. And so um, as we're looking at, uh, at Christ interacting with these people, we see that he, doesn't, he, he could not have had, um, my guess is that he knew the, the outcome. His expectations of the outcome did not limit him from doing the action. And so there are times in my own personal life where I have done something and I'm like, man, this person, it's going to change 
our relationship maybe, like whenever I do this, you know, the tension will be gone, or maybe they'll be more open to, uh, to hearing some of my advice, or maybe they'll be more open to Christ, or maybe whenever I come in, there's all these motivations in my head. If I'm, if I'm kind to this person, if I do this, there's all these, and some of them are really good. Like maybe I'll be able to foster a better relationship and bring them to church through this kindness. But I'll tell you that even with those good motivations as I go into it, when the person reacts negatively or just blows you off or just is like, thanks, you know, and then you never hear from them again, then you, the fall is really hard. You're like, man, I'm not going to do that again. Like you you learn, you know, it's like, get me once, you know, shame on me, get me twice, you know, it's like, I'm going to learn from this. I'm not going to do that again. At least not with that person, right? That person, it's, it's done. But that's not what Christ says. That's not what Christ does. He says, listen, outcasts, people who aren't going to respond well, people who are broken, people who are lost, people who are shunned from society, and people who are the opposite of what, what the world wants, I'm going to uh, reach out to you. To shift um, focus, what can we learn from the people receiving the kindness? The first thing is that we should always show gratitude for kindness that is shown to us no matter the size. When I said I struggle sometimes with um, showing gratitude, I can share a, a bunch of different examples, but to kind of sum them all up, a lot of times when we are shown kindness, it's because of our, um, it's because we are lacking something or because we have failed in some way. Not necessarily out of our own um, our own doing, but it just is, we're in a situation where we need kindness bestowed onto us for a lot of times when we're receiving it. Uh, so I know personally, I've shared with you that I have um, something called Crohn's disease. And so there are a lot of times when people offer me kindnesses and that kindness and me receiving it is an admission by myself that I am less than, right? When I receive that kindness, it's me saying, I need that kindness, right? I need your grace. I need your mercy because I have failed in some way. Now, whether or not that's something that I've done, I don't feel that way. Like, I don't feel like if I've missed something because of my disease that I have failed, but I have missed it and you have offered me grace. And so in that, I'm saying I have become, I've come up short. And uh, it's just because the way the world is, things are broken. And a lot of times that's the way that we are with kindness, I can imagine that scenario from these people. Can you even imagine, what do I say to this man? What do I say to the guy that healed me, that I've been cut off from everything? I, th- I think about that my own struggle. Like if, if someone came in and healed me um, from Crohn's disease in an instant, I don't know how I'd react to that person. I would be so thankful, but I don't know how to show it. I'd be embarrassed. I'd, I'd be in a way like I don't know how to react to that situation. And yet, Christ tells us, he says, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? He says, listen, when you receive kindness, I know it takes a lot sometimes to say thank you. Sometimes it takes a lot to, to internalize that kindness and turn around and say, I'm going to allow that to, sh- to change me. Right? That Samaritan allowed the kindness to shape and transform him in a way where he's like, I'm a different person now. I will be forever. And kindnesses can do that, even small kindnesses. 
And how we react to it is super important. How we react, how we let that kind of transform us is super important. And in that moment, we can kind of allow our pride or our um, embarrassment or our um, lack of, you know, words to say. We see the Samaritan comes back and he just says, uh, you know, praise God. That's all he says. He just, praise God. I picture him running up to Jesus, not knowing what to say, and just looking at him and saying, praise God. And Jesus is like, yeah, thank you. Right? And, but can you imagine, it's like, I can, I can put myself in the shoes of these other people, like, walking to the priest. They're going to get this checked out to see if it's really gone. And I'm thinking, like, is this really gone? What, what am I going to say to this person? How do I say thank you for this? This is such a big thing. I can never repay this person. I can never repay this person. And I, again, sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we're like that with God. Um, I was thinking about a... Uh, one time whenever I was in youth ministry, when I was in college, we had one of our other leaders come to, um, to the youth group, and he was driving, and he had been in a bad accident, but he had been okay. And um, we were praying for it, and he was older than me. And I remember I said something like, oh, wow, it's just so awesome, so lucky that you were okay, because the way that he was okay was very, very, if you want to, if you... Uh, Look at it, he should not have been okay. Um, the way the car hit, like he walked away and he was totally fine and he shouldn't have been. And I said something to the effect of like, oh, you're, you're very lucky. And, and he said, it wasn't luck. He said, God protected me. He said, all good things come from God. Um, and so he, it was this kind of, in that moment, him saying thank you, it, it seemed kind of silly, right? Like, because in, in our mind, it was like a, it was a moment of, of just coincidence or something, but he saw it appropriately, I believe, as an act and a kindness from God. And he said, thank you, God, for this. Praise God. So this is not just something that we do when we are with people where we sometimes struggle to show our appreciation, but it's with God all the time. Thank you, God, for this food I'm eating, right? So how, how, how often do we do that cynically or like haphazardly? No, genuinely, God, thank you for this food. I would die without it. Thank you. Thank you for this shelter, Thank you for this, the ability to be here. Thank you for my ability to speak today. These things that we should be consistently thanking God for. And the final thing is that it plays right into with that is we decide who gets the glory for a situation based on the perspective that we have. It seems like it, it might be putting a lot of power in our own hands, but the truth of it is, is that Glory comes from, um, like, giving someone glory, giving someone praise, and giving someone honor is something that we do to God. Uh, it's one of the only things where, where God deserves it outside of whether or not we do it or not, right? So if we don't do it, it's not like his glory diminishes, but it's something that we interact with God and give to him. It's like one of the only things that we can give to him that isn't it, it belongs to, it's, it's a complicated thing, right? So we look at our money, we look at our finances, we look at this place and we know that he created it all and it all belongs to him. And glory, because he's deserving of it, belongs to him. And yet it is something that we can give to him freely. And it's a perspective shift. It's something that like when we look at something, again, what I was sharing about that youth leader, um, he looked at it differently. He looked at the world differently. He looked at how he received kindness differently. He looked at these little things, even little interactions. I remembered it started to shape my life too because I adopted that feeling from him or that, that idea from him, I should say. 
This idea just that everything that's coming, I'm going to look at it as the glory of God. And, and the truth of it is, is that our perspective will shift even more over time. If you wonder in the, uh, in the Bible why it repeats certain things, like there will be times whenever uh, it repeats, like, I am your God, the God of Jacob and Isaac, and, and it talks about the God that, that took you out of the Red Sea and, and the God that took you out of Egypt and part of the Red Sea and part of the Jordan. Like, it lists all these things because our perspective shifts over time. And they're like, isn't it really cool how like, we made it through the Red Sea? Isn't that cool? That was really lucky. Like, it was just really lucky that like, all that happened, that like, our grandparents were able to make it. And what the Bible is saying is, no, your perspective and the glory that you give is important because of the kindness that is shown to us from God. And this is my own life. I remember there was something even just the other day, the first house that we ever bought, my wife and I, when we were going into ministry and it was in Cranberry Township, long story short, we were not going to be able to get this house. It was going to fall through because of some paperwork that was messed up. The paperwork was online and they had hard copies of it. And I remember sitting with some of our friends, we were really disappointed, and we prayed. We prayed, God, like, you know, make this work somehow. And I got a call the next day after this prayer, and, uh, and the person said, hey, it's super strange, um, but we can no longer find that paperwork. We had it here, um, but it's not here anymore. And then we went online, and uh, it's not there anymore. So it was literally just, it was gone. And uh, the other day, so that was probably like eight years ago, and um, eight or nine years ago, I should say, and even more maybe. But uh, time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about it just the other day, and in my own mind, I was like, man, what a lucky turn of events that was that we got that house. I thought it in my head. I was like, I was thinking, and I thought I had to stop and make it a purposeful thing in my head where I was like, no, that wasn't lucky. That happened. Like, that was God doing it because I asked him for it and he showed me kindness. He doesn't always say yes. He doesn't always do the things we want. But in that moment, he did. And I need to give him glory and not shift my perspective away. So I think this is an encouraging thing. As we end with our idea of kindness, a lot of times we look at it as something that's, like, oppressive. It's hard. How are we going to correctly respond and how do we correctly give it out? And the truth of it is, is just... Very simple. Yeah, it, it's, it's a matter of, of accepting it, giving the credit when the credit is due. It's a matter of being willing to go outside of our own comfort zones to the people that don't seem to be deserving of it, knowing that we also aren't deserving of that kindness. And as we shift our perspective, as we start to shift, it becomes easier and easier and easier. That person is no longer the enemy. It's just a person who is lost. So smiling at them isn't so hard, right? Um, saying hi to them isn't so bad because it's not someone who is going to out to get me or out to ruin my, my life. It's just a person who is lost and has different ideas. And so this shift, it really, it's hard. It takes time. It's not automatic. Some people I'm jealous of, it's just their gift and they can do it. Um, but for most of us, we have to work at it. So I want to encourage you as we close this out, um, the board out, out, uh, out back is not for something, again, the idea of building a habit is um, doing things repeatedly until they become natural. And that's what we were thinking about that board out there, was that if you can take these things that kind of prompt you to step out of your comfort zone, they'll help you start to feel natural about those things and it'll come easy. So that'll be up one more week, and then after that, uh, we'll be taking back down as we shift into our new series. But I encourage you, don't let this slide. Let that um, be something that you're working on and consistently doing, because 
all of us, it can shape and change our community so, so enormously and so effectively to such a way that like even Jesus knew that. He saw and said, this, this is going to shape everything differently when I do these acts of kindness to people that are unexpected. So as I uh, say a prayer, I'll invite our uh, worship team to come back on up. And if you would join me in prayer as we close out this 24-7 uh, kindness. Uh, the, the altars are always open as we play this closing song. Um, if you are struggling with something, maybe you're struggling with, you know, hey, I've, I've not been very good at receiving kindness, or maybe it's, I know I struggle with giving that out, or there's just things that you need to talk to God about. There's things that you want to get off your chest, or there's things that you want to have prayer for. Um, if you come up to the uh, altar over here to my right, uh, your left, there will be someone who will pray with you. You can come on up, and people will come and, and pray with you. If you come over to the left here, uh, your right, um, you can pray here alone and, and have some time with God there. But I would encourage you, if you've got something on your heart, uh, got something that God wants to talk to you about, uh, this is a great time to do it. And uh, be encouraged that small, it's not, I should say, to kind of close out, I'm encouraged as I read through this that it's not something that's huge that I have to do. It's not something that's massive. It's actually very simple. It's to be kind and to show gratitude. And that's something that I can do, right? It's hard but it's something that I can do. It's something that I can work towards. And so it's encouraging for me personally. So would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we just come before you this morning and we, uh, we thank you so much. Sometimes it seems repetitive as we give thanks and sometimes it seems silly in our heads as we give thanks for things like the breath in our lungs and the... Uh, the ability to be standing here, sitting here, God. Sometimes it seems simple, and yet the truth of it is, is that the only reason that we even open our eyes, the only reason that we have the spark of life in us is because of you. You sustain and uphold all things, and it is only through your kindness and love that we receive the good things in this world. And so, God, we are so thankful. We're thankful for the small things, time spent together with friends. We're thankful for the leaves changing and for the, for the weather that we get to see. We're thankful for the food that we eat together. We're thankful for all the things that you give to us. And, God, in that response of kindness, we pray that we are willing to pass that forward, give it to our fellow man, allow it to flow through us and not become dammed up inside us, not let it be something that we hoard, God, allow it to be something that we flow free, freely out into our community. God, we are just so thankful for you. We lift you up and we praise your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.